Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, on episode 147, I'm not live because I didn't want to be held by the restrictions of Mark Zuckerberg and his pussified social media platform, Facebook. I am also not with guest because I've got some thoughts in my head that I'd like to get out singularly and on my own. And one last thing. This episode will not be streamed on YouTube. It will not be streamed on Facebook. This will go through the regular Podbean and through my usual brands because tonight I plan on getting 100% uncensored. I'm going to be using music. I'm going to be using sounds. I'm going to be talking that talk because I have been motivated as balls for the last few days. I am fucking feeling it in my chest and tonight i don't just get uncensored tonight i don't just tell you truth and share the fondest of memories with you guys no you see tonight orsini gets extreme Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. How the hell is everybody out there? This is your boy, your main man, your castle brother from another mother. This is your host of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. I am AJ Orsini, and I time that perfectly well. Warning. The editing. Oh, the following look at you. episode See, of Orsini. I ruined it. I patted myself on the back. And it immediately went right into something else, but it wasn't supposed to. How the fuck is everybody doing out there? This is your boy, AJ. I am here with another episode, episode 147, to be specific. I'm here with episode 147 here, where CD's uncensored mind, and we are here to talk about the fondest of times. You see, I've been motivated. I said that in my little opening there. I am motivated. I've been doing a lot of shit this past week, some awesome shit, and, and as well as stuff with my family, which is also awesome, but some awesome solo project shit, 
and I'm super happy with the progress and everything that's been going on. And yes, it is absolutely 100% wrestling related. I've got some cards I've yet to play. Got some shit up my sleeve. I've got some plans. I've got some things in the works. It's going to fuck some people's heads up. It's going to make some people angry. It's going to make some people happy. It will, elic- it will elicit a response. That is Darren Damn T. Now, what does that have to do with the motif that I have set here with ECW? Obviously, that was the original ECW theme, Harry and the Slashers. Here, setting the tone here. We the ECW theme, just that baseline, that is so hard, so fucking brutal, so fucking metal. You gotta appreciate it. You gotta love it. And I know that a lot of people my age have a lot of memories and stuff attached to that promotion. And uh, I think you know, not for nothing, there's a lot of new age wrestlers and a new age fan base that kind of get it, but they really don't. Uh, they really don't. How savage it was. How bloodthirsty it was. How horrifically awesome and totally bad for us as people. <laughs> totally bad for this business as ECW was. It was also very, very gr- a great time period to fucking live through. Now, you're probably saying, AJ, there's no fucking way you're going to do a whole goddamn episode on ECW, right? Yes, I am. But here's the deal. We're going to go through some things. We're going to talk about some things. We're going to go through the life and times of AJ or CD as it relates to ECW. Listen, there's been documentaries done up the wazoo. I can sit here and pretend and and try to impress you and go all the way back to the NWA days or, or the, uh, the hot stuff Eddie Gilbert days of ECW and and really try to wow you with my ECW acumen. I can try that, but it'd be a waste of everybody's time. The theme of here, the theme of this show was not uh, Orsini stretching his brain day. It is Orsini loving life and feeling good and talking some old school professional wrestling. And this is as old school for me personally as it gets. On last week's live episode, I said that I would start doing episodes where I would talk a little bit more about old school stuff. And I'm going to get even older than this. We've got, I've got some plans on the docket for this show that I'm very excited about. We're going to do some deep dives. We're going to start talking about some shit. Uh, because someone brought it to my attention. It's very, very true. If you're not a big fan of what's going on today, live in the past. That's what someone told me. And I've got no problem with the performance of today. I have no problem with wrestling matches today. Just this whole empty arena thing has been getting to me. The COVID has dangerously hurt my passion for professional wrestling. So I have been looking to the past. I have been looking to streaming sites, not just the WWE Network, not just ECW, not just WWE, but I've been looking to all streaming sites for uh, maybe some wrestling I, I haven't seen before, I may have missed, you know, whatever I haven't seen is new to me type shit, you know? Even if it's a little on the older side, if I've never seen it, then obviously, you know, it's going to be a little different for me. So I've been digging into some old shit, yada, yada, yada. And let me tell you what inspired this ECW episode. So, I'm sitting here chilling, minding my own business, as per the use here in the house of all. And I'm editing. I'm putting some stuff together. I'm moving audio around. I'm moving some video around, clipping some stuff out. we got some music videos we're putting together. There's a lot of shit happening here at the house of all. And I usually have wrestling on in the background. And sure as shit, um, as I'm editing and as I'm doing a bunch of shit, 
an old ECW television episode pops on because I had some shit on shuffle. I just had some old videos. Just I just had some shit going on. And an old ECW, I mean, like an old, like like a VHS copy that was put on YouTube, and it was there. So it's got all the original music to it and everything. It was just awesome. And I have it on in the background, and I'm editing a bunch of stuff up, and I start to realize in my head I'm paying more attention to Joey than I am what I'm doing. So I ended up stopping what I'm doing, and I'm watching this episode full on. I grab a drink, and I'm just chilling in my fucking computer chair, just walling and just enjoying some old-school ECW, and I was listening to that fucking audience. Because I you don't hear audience uh, noise worth a shit in these wrestling shows today now, because they're, they're all paid to be there, and if they're not paid to be there, they're half-assed wanting to be there. They don't know when to cheer, when to boo. Even when they're being directed, you, you can tell some of these people just don't have a clue. It's not the same thing. So to listen to these rabid animal fans from ECW was... It was like a... You know, going from silence to that kind of noise, you know, I'm not going to lie. My dick got hard. I did. I, just the sheer noise of it got my all the blood into my penis, and uh, I was erect as hell. And then I had to go into the next room and have Mrs. O handle that so I can get back to work. And ECW really brought that shit out. And I got curious because one of the last ECW shows uh, that I remember liking <laughs> it was the One Night Stand show, which I know a lot of people don't consider it an actual ECW show because it was over under the WWE umbrella. But I think, that, uh, to me, One Night Stand 05 is one of the better shows. It, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say it's my favorite WWE pay-per-view and it's not about the WWE. ECW One Night Stand changed my life forever. You know, 2005... That was when my re- I I was like we have to go for it with this wrestling career shit, pronto. I need to be a part of this business. This ECW one night stand for all the people who took that ride for ECW. That was the last real show. Even one night stand the next year, the '06 show was not nearly as good, and uh, you can start to see the hands of death gripping right around the neck of the ECW brand, right around One Night Stand 06. So uh, if you really want to look back at it, ECW One Night Stand 05 is hands down just one of the best pay-per-views ever of all time in any wrestling capacity. And I I defy anyone to second-guess that. If you didn't grow up in the era, it's hard for you to get on board with that statement. You're like, okay, I'm sure it was a good show, but the best ever, that's crazy. It can't possibly be better than Wrestle any of the WrestleManias. Yes, it was. To me, it was. Because I took that ride, man. I was one of the kids who every who struggled every Saturday night to try to make it to 2 o'clock in the morning just so I can see ECW syndication from 2 to 3, uh, whatever Paul Heyman had lined up for us that particular night. And I would wait. for the On the MSG network, I would wait. Every two, what the fuck was that? Oh, that's that fucking Quibby. That's what that was. Fuck Quibby, Anna Kendrick talking to a blow-up doll. No one gives a fuck. They give a fuck about ECW. That's what we're talking about here. Shut the fuck up, phone. No one's talking to you, you purple piece of shit. Anywho, anyhow, 
Yeah, so um, I used to be one of those kids every Saturday night. The Attitude Era was this. I've said this before, but if you don't remember, uh, and I don't know if it was like this in every market. So if you're from the West Coast, something like that, and it didn't happen like this for you, I apologize. But I was in New York and in Connecticut, so I got all the Eastern programming. And it used to run, okay, Monday, Monday Night Raw from 9, no, 9 to 11, 8 to 10, depends. Was it 8 to, eight to 10, 9 to, I see I'm having trouble now. I think it was 9 to 11 when it was the two-hour show. I think it was 9 to 11, right? So, yeah, so then WCW would come on at 8 o'clock. And I think when Raw went to 8 o'clock, they were coming in, uh, WCW was coming out at like 7.57, something like that. They were always trying to get the one up, but it was Raw versus Nitro. And I would always watch Raw first because for whatever reason, I don't know why, Nitro would always replay. So if it went from live from 8 to 11, it would run again from 11 to 1, I want to say, uh, 12, uh, 11 to 2, right? Because Nitro was three hours. Toy ladder in there of the 90s. So I'd get a chance to watch Raw. So I would watch the first hour of Nitro. That's how that happened. Okay. First hour of Nitro at 8. Raw from 9 to 11. And then the replay from 11 to 2 of Nitro. So I'm watching wrestling from 8 p.m. to basically 2 in the morning. Then on uh, Thursday, when it got later and we started doing SmackDowns, then it became uh, Thunder... First hour of Thunder, WCW Thunder, from 8 to 9. And then uh, I would, because Thunder would run through, but I would change to SmackDown. So I would watch SmackDown uh, for those two hours, and then I would watch the Thunder replay. Uh, If I'm mistaken, then it's the other way, because then I think if Thunder started, if SmackDown started at 8, that means I watched SmackDown, because I was going to watch the replay anyway. So I'd watch SmackDown. And I would literally watch that last hour of Nitro, only for it to replay, and then I would watch the replay as well. So Monday and Thursday, I was locked in for several hours. Saturday, it's see, because it's easy to make it to two when you started at eight. You're watching wrestling all the way through. They're keeping you interested. It's easier that way. Saturday was a fucking trial, because the wrestling the wrestling didn't start till two. You know, you could fit in. There was a few. What was it? Shotgun Saturday nights. You you can get a few programming in. You know, what I used to do is I used to pop in tapes to try to make it through so that I can get to 2 o'clock and then I would eventually watch the ECW show. But I'd find a way, motherfucker, to get to 2 a.m. And, uh, and I would watch that syndication show. And this shit was fucking great. ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, was fucking great. Now, like I said, there's been a bunch of fucking people who've done episodes, who've done documentaries, who've done all this different shit when it comes to uh, to ECW. And I'm not going to fucking bore you guys with that. But I am going to tell a few stories because I got a chance. It's so funny because as a youth, as a young man, I was a big fan of ECW. When I got into the business... It's so funny because the first guy to really, you know, besides the Maximos who brought me into their company and brought me into their school, the first, like, professional, professional, guys who have been places, been to the big companies, knows the deal, knows the business, the first guy to really get his hands on me and and try to teach me the ropes, so to speak, of this industry uh, is Shane Douglas. 
the franchise. He was one of the first guys I really got a chance to sit down, talk to, and bullshit with, and you know, talk talk wrestling with. And maybe that's why my vision of this shit changed so drastically when I got in, because I got a I got an education from the franchise. Maybe that's why my brain is warped the way that it is about you know certain styles and certain things about professional wrestling because it was Shane Douglas that brought me to the dance. Oh, by the way, you know, while we're talking about this, another reason why I did not want to go live on Facebook or do it, I I didn't want to run into too much copyright shit because I plan on doing this. Absolutely, I plan on doing this throughout the course of the fucking show because where on earth would we fucking be without the fucking soundtracks to fucking ECW. The Purple Perfect Strangers. Man, when you heard this, the fucking man was coming out. Don't tell me listening to this shit right now is not fucking jacking you up. Yeah. We driving tonight, baby. We We driving. Shane was the first guy. I got lost in it. I got lost in it. That's my bad. Shane, Shane was really was no doubt about it. Uh, really was like the one guy, the first guy, I should say that. Like I got a chance to really excuse that sound. That's my fucking thing acting stupid. Uh, I really got a chance to get an education about the business from him. It really was an amazing time, and, and he's very open about things and. He likes to talk, and that's something that I'm finishing doing. Sorry, that's literally the last you will hear of that. So uh, it really was an education, and I really got a chance to see how this business works and, you know, how you should be behaving. And he really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And like I said, I, it really did condition me the way that I had carry myself in this business. And there were a lot of guys. The second ECW guy that I ever had a chance to, to meet and to work with because I worked with Shane on multiple occasions. I said that was the last time. That's the last time. I really got to turn the, the notifications off on some of these programs so I can do this editing shit in silence. I'm breaking kayfabe here. I'm I'm editing and doing things in the background while I'm trying to talk about professional wrestling here with my fucking my, my fans here. It's fucking me up. You're all fucking me up here. So, yeah, another guy that I got a chance to work with and... Uh, and uh, and meet and talk to and get real personal with was uh, Tony Mama Luke of the Full Blooded Italians. I got a chance. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. This shit was a bang. Get real with the fever on the dance floor. If you are not a part of the ECW fan base, you're having you're wondering what all these weird songs I'm playing. These were their entrances. Funky Fresh. <laughs> that FBI theme is Funky Fresh. Uh, Tony Mamaluke was like another influential guy in my career, very much so. Um, not just on the business, but on a personal level. We, we got a chance to talk a lot of non-wrestling shit. And that's when you know you're really like, you're being accepted by the veterans when they feel comfortable just shooting shit with you, just just being real people, you know, and just having conversations and 
Tony was a real big part of uh, my early upbringing here in the professional wrestling business, and I'll always be grateful for him. And uh, Tony, t- uh, Shane taught me a lot about the business. Tony, I got a very unique opportunity, and I'll never forget this, and I'll always be appreciative of him for this. But physically, in the ring, I got a chance to train with him uh, on a few occasions. And uh, that is a life-changing <laughs> A life-changing experience. If you ever get the chance to get in the ring with a world-class athlete like that, uh, it will fuck you up. Because, not not physically, because working with Tony is like working with a, with a soft pillow or a feather. You're not going to, he's so technically sound and careful and professional. It's like working with yourself. But fuck you up in the sense of, like Punk said about working Guerrero. I thought I was good, you know. I really thought I was the shit, and then I got in the ring with Eddie, and I found out I was literally a piece of shit. I was not <laughs> nearly as great. It's the same thing with me, you know. I, I I thought at that time, especially since I had been training at the, up at that time, what several years, I'd been with, in the ring with a few guys. So I don't know why, but I didn't feel any nervousness getting in there with Tony and chaining and doing things, and he fucking, woo. I thought, like I said, like I thought I was good. I thought I was at least serviceable. I'm not going to be a WWE champion, but I thought, you know, I'll get in the ring with anybody and just fucking, I, I will I will hold my own and everything will be okay. And nope, Tony Mamaluke just kind of just kind of fucked me up gently and went about his fucking day. So that's that on that. <laughs> it's just kind of fucked it up on that. Uh, another ECW guy I got a chance to meet and work with, not in the ring, but uh, as a talent, and do some interviews and commentating stuff, was uh, Mick Foley, otherwise known as Cactus Jack. I got a chance to do work with him. Uh, RVD. I got a chance to... But now, see, I'm going to... Let me do it, and then... There you go. Some, some RVD action. A little Pantera. Telling you the listening to these songs again just fucks with me. Just, oh my god! And then the sounds throughout the whole building. The sounds throughout the whole building. RVD, RVD. The passion from these fans who are in the building for these ECW shows. It's why so many of us have a hard time letting this shit go. I wanna have, I'm gonna have, this is episode 147. I haven't talked about ECW that much on my fucking show for a reason. Because if I got going, I wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. It, if, on, on the business end of it, I now realize, and I've spoken to a few people who have been there. I, I can keep going. I've worked with all, almost all of them. Tommy, you name them. You can go down the line. Sabu. I have videos on YouTube of me working with Sabu. There's, I, I've worked with, so many of them. Rey Mysterio. <laughs> I have the list. I have a list of people in front of me. I've worked with so many of these people. Just incredible. Uh, 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 Tanaka. Uh, 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 Whipwreck. I've gotten a chance to meet Whipwreck. Uh, I've gotten a chance to meet and work with so many of these people. And and these were people that originally I was a fan of. And to work with them was an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and and I hope that there's still time to work with some other ones. The one guy I haven't had a chance to work with, ironically enough, and I can't wait to talk to him about this because it's still, for some oddball reason, I get compared to this guy a lot. I guess look-wise, physically-wise, because I'm round and tanned, I don't know. But this guy here, I got compared to this guy a lot. 
You gotta feel this though. Yes, you have to feel this. In your fucking heart. another aspect because uh, Joey Styles who was the full-time play-by-play announcer for ECW on some occasions did have commentating partners but for the most part Joey was the only voice that's why he they call him the voice of ECW and uh, I'll never forget his walkout for ECW one night stand 2005 when they just laid the love into Joey's heart that night I think it's the first time I ever cried or teared up at the start of the show. Not a single bump. If again, if you didn't take the ride, that moment was cool. But it, you, I've, I felt that moment in my heart. My my wife was my girlfriend at the time. We'd only been together about two years at that point. We've been together seventeen years now. We were together about two years at that point, and she knew I love wrestling. And by the two year mark, she knew that. You know, wrestling was going to be, if she's going to be a part of my life, wrestling's a part of her life. So she was adapting to it well. But I don't think she ever anticipated or she ever thought she would experience, because she was with me and we were, I was with a group of friends watching ECW One Night Stand at somebody's house. And we were all teary-eyed and crying and when Joey came out and how our hearts were fucking pounding. We had goosebumps on. It was like our bodies changed. When Joey came through that curtain, and I don't think she really got it. She gets it now. (laughs) But then, two years in, I don't think she really got it. Oh, Sandman I worked with. There's a lot of guys on here. Simon Diamond I got a chance to. Super Crazy I got a chance to work with. Fuck me. Jesus. I'm just now really putting it together that uh, I worked with a lot of fucking guys. Didn't get a chance to work with the Dudley Boys. Uh, But this thing right here, I'm going to play it for you right now. This sums up the vibe right here. And I, do I have, before I put this on, hold on, let me make sure I'm on um, <coughs> repeat. There we go. Because you got to feel this too. This is why we can't forget about ECW. This is why it always comes up. That chant right there. That chant all night long, every ECW event, every WWE event, every WCW event, every indie show, ECW. Whenever someone gets hit over the head with a chair, whenever someone goes through a table, whenever there's a huge high spot that would result in the probable death of a performer, uh, that that is it right there. EC fucking W. Uh, oh, look, Raven. Yeah, I worked with Raven too, baby. All of them, all the greats. That chant right there will fuck up your whole brain for forever. You'll hear it days after a fucking event. Days after. And it just fucking fucks with you. So those, I just named there a bunch of situations, a uh, bunch of different little things that I did as a as a professional there, working with some of these guys. And I'm telling you, they're, I, I didn't have a single problem with a one of them balls mahoney's on here i got a chance to work with his song is fucking yeah (laughs) 
And he came out to this song when I introduced him. I ring announced for him uh, a few times because he used to work out uh, FTW here in Queens. And uh, before he passed away, I got a chance to work with him a little bit. Well, I'm upper, upper class high society. <laughs> this is great, And I always fill my ballroom the Wait, I wanted to hear the hook, though. would literally in unison chant that we have the biggest balls of them all <laughs> and that's the way that shit would happen this shit is amazing right there ecw is just it was so closely related to the fans the fans had such uh it's funny because if you really if you look back at the programming i was just gonna say the fans had such heavy input but if you really look back they really didn't paul did what paul did but Paul had this amazing ability to make you feel like you had a piece of this. You know, they really did an excellent job making you feel like you were a part of the family. And to be honest with you, the reason why I'm doing this episode is because we don't have promotions that do that anymore. Not a whole lot, to be fair. There are a few promotions out there that are very close with their fan base. But sometimes it works as a bad dichotomy, sometimes they're so into their community and so into their fan base, they don't really do enough to branch out of that and gain more. They're just focused on keeping that very small group of people happy, keeping that niche alive. And then there are those who go the opposite way. They're, they're, they're too sterile. They're too general. They're too much trying to be like the WWE, and they just lose people. There, there's no camaraderie there. ECW found this middle ground so to speak uh when it comes to uh engagement with the audience engagement with people on television engagement with their overall circle of fans that they knew were just hardcore bloodthirsty wild animalistic people who bought the shirts and and spilt the blood and brought the beer and brought the weapons the fans bring the weapons matches and all that shit and it was just a good time good time for everybody and i'm there's a piece of me that's glad that it had uh, an end to it because to uh, to have kept that going would have been tremendously, tremendously hard. Now, people are probably going to remember back at the beginning of this episode when I said that as bad as it was for the business, it was still a whole lot of fun. ECW did, because people, uh, professionals say that all the time. Oh, ECW killed a chunk of the business. We were never able to go back, get back to what it was before that. And people love to counter-argument and say, well, listen, there was so many, so much talent that came from ECW. You know, I, we just listed all the names. I'm not going to go down the line again. There's more that I didn't even say. Lance Stone, Jerry Lynn. There's so many different talents that came out of ECW that would go on to benefit the business uh, outside of the, uh, the ECW umbrella. You know, with the WWE and WCW and TNA and even Ring of Honor, ECW has had its roots in way longer than the company itself, which should be a sign that maybe they were, you know, they were they were obviously good for the business because there were so many people that came out of it. But we're not when people like myself say 
yet it wasn't good for the industry isn't because it was lacking in star power or its ability to tell stories. It was, and it's the one thing that, and when you think ECW, let's be honest, this is what you think about. It's the one thing that everyone points to about ECW, and that's what hurt it the most. Its strength definitely was its weakness. The brutality, the violence, the violence was over the top. There was no way, I think Cornette said it the best, you know, when when you have a wrestling show and you have a guy that come, that comes out of this, you know, when you have a wrestling show that's booked like a circus and you only have one guy going into the cannon to be shot across, that's an attraction, that's awesome, that'll work. But when you're a wrestling show and your entire show is guys getting shot out of cannons, that can sometimes blow back on you. First of all, you're going to... High injury rate for your workers, just high. And secondly, you're just going to burn your audience out. Once you've shown the audience everything that can be done, how can you pull it back to get your stories across? I mean, at what point do people care about stories when you're conditioning them to be these bloodthirsty animals that just wants to see violence for the sake of violence? They had wrestling matches. I'm not listen. I'm not here to shit on ECW. I'm here to put it over. I, I miss ECW. It was fantastic. It was great. But like on all things discussed here in RCD's Uncertain Mind, we we've got to talk about the whole shebang. We've got to talk about the good and the bad. And part of that bad was it was really, really they were really, really, really loose on a lot of things at ECW and a lot of guys. Had a lot of violent matches. And for as much damage as they did to the human body during those times, it was so violent. And it was getting over so hard because no one had ever seen it before. Like, to that degree, it forced everyone else to have to step up. The Attitude Era came from it. WCW started getting a little crazy. They developed a hardcore title. And it just became this whole thing where everyone was traveling at breakneck speed, trying to keep up with the other person. And that's not how you're supposed to run a professional wrestling company. When ECW closed its doors, and there was no longer a promotion out there running at full fucking steam, it gave all the other companies an opportunity to slow it back down and bring it back to fucking reality. Because we can't do flaming tables every Wednesday. And... It really, I tell you, I kid you not, it hurt the business big time. There were a lot of people who joined on, who became wrestling fans because of that style. And when that style went away, so did they. Now people will hear that and they'll say, well, the style didn't really go away, AJ. I mean, there's still hardcore wrestling companies out there. Yes, I know. I have a very good friend who runs one over at ICW, over in Jersey. I can understand that these things still exist, but it doesn't exist at the popularity level that it did Way back when. Because to be honest with you, the hardcore shit is niche. There's a, there, is, there is absolutely an audience for it. But not everyone is a fucking audience for it. So that's why when it happened here and there, it was an attraction. When your whole show is that one fucking thing, it's not an attraction anymore. It's not unique. That's the one negative the ECW had on the industry. Because they put balls to the wall 100 mile an hour every fucking night. You can't do that. You can't have that level of violence every fucking night and think that you're going to fucking come out of it and succeed on it. So there were some negatives to it. But at the same time, yeah, to live through it, 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's like it's like Woodstock, you know. When you look back at Woodstock, you say, "Man, you know, PR wise, it was a lot of goofy shit happening at Woodstock." You look at all the drug use. You look at all the people who got sick, who possibly even died at Woodstock, and you can look at that and you can say, "Man, that was a bad idea." But if you were there, if you lived it, if you were at Woodstock, you look at Woodstock like it was the greatest time of your fucking life. You'll never get that weekend back ever again. You lived it once, and that's it. It went away. It is very special to you, and that's how a lot of people tend to feel about ECW. As adults, yes, we understand now as adults in this industry that the way that that company ran was insane. Paul will tell you that the way that that company was ran was fucking insane. But in the moment, in 1997 or 98 or 99 or even farther back than that, ECW was the fucking shit. It just was. It just was. It was fucking fantastic. And it motivates me. It motivates me to know and to know that when I play that song to this day, people my age immediately just start getting emotional about it. And I don't mean crying. I mean emotional in the sense of like, they just they they emote, they're excited, their their adrenaline starts pumping, they start their brain starts playing out like this. Whenever you hear the ECW theme, you don't need to see the video. As soon as you hear the ECW theme, all you start doing is a music video of the greatest ECW clips of all time. You know, uh, Raven handcuffed to the cage and Tommy Dreamer in a bloody mess. Both of them are bleeding. Tommy hits him across the hip with the steel chair and does the fucking double arm pose. Or fucking Raven sneaking into a ring and drilling Sandman with a fucking DDT. Or RVD throwing that chair and hitting the Van Daminator. All these classic uh, moments that ECW was so known for. Those things just pop into your head. And again, if you don't, if you didn't take the ride, then you don't understand. But that's where that leaves me here toward the end here of this episode. For those of you who didn't take the ride, would you like to? <laughs> In all honesty, for for the people, because you, I mean, we get really close, right? Because the new generation of fan uh, likes wrestling for a completely different reason than some of the predecessors, some of my generation. You know, these new fans love the athletic aspect of wrestling more so than the the gore and the the overall violence of it they they appreciate the physicality a little bit more you know they like the high spot stuff they like the people who are going to go in there for 30 35 minutes and 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 basically fuck each other up move after move after move after move they they kind of enjoy that shit these days if you were able to mix that with a more extreme style, would it get over the same way it did in the 90s? Who knows? Who knows? Is there room for a rated R professional wrestling company in 2020 or 2021? That is a good question to ask. I was asked that recently, and to be honest with you, I didn't have a fucking answer to it because it's a very difficult question to answer. Because on the surface, you would say, fuck yeah, there's there's uh, there's room for a rated R professional wrestling company again. Of course there is. There's a bunch of grown men and women out there 
who would love to finally have a wrestling promotion that doesn't insult their fucking intelligence, that's going to let their athletes go out there and be athletic and be tough like professional wrestlers used to be back in the day. There's a lot of, uh, of performers that I know for a fact would love to wrestle in that particular environment. There's a lot of promoters that I'm sure would love the opportunity to put their, their stamp on a new age ECW type promotion. But is social media, is the PG era fan, is television, are they ready for a rated R promotional, uh, rated R wrestling promotion? And I think the answer to that is no. And that's why that pulls back. Because there are fans who watch Raw and SmackDown now, and if someone yells butthole at somebody, it's it's all of a sudden a stream on Facebook of angry fans uh, trying to get Vince McMahon fired for being senile because he let this person say butthole on, on Raw. That's kind of the situation that we're in, and it's kind of sad that we are. But we are, you know? And I'm not saying it's sad because... We should be allowed to make fun of each other. No, what I'm saying is, is that you, you aren't able. We're in a we're in a society now where you're not able to decipher where the insults are personal and when the insults are a work. You keep telling me that kayfabe is dead because everyone's in on it, but you don't behave. You don't uh, exist in a world where it's just a work. You all take it very, very, very seriously. So there's, I think, personally, I think it can be done. I just think you need to be extremely careful what you do, how you do it, and where you market it. It's not like before where you could just do it freely and whatever sticks, sticks. I think you can have a rated R company really push a rated R company, and there'd be plenty of people who would support it and be about it. You just got to be clear about the fact that you're rated R. This ain't for kids, you know. I think they did that for ECW. Then this isn't your grandfather's wrestling, you know. This is extreme. This is ECW. ECW promoted itself as a brand that was different from the traditional, different from the mold. You understand? So if we were to do something like that again, that would be that would be super super awesome. And and I think there's an opportunity to do that. I'm not saying that I'm doing that. I don't want you to be swerved by the fact that I'm saying I'm doing something project wise, and then discussing all of this openly. I, I do not plan on opening up a wrestling promotion. That's not what this is about. But I just, it was asked of me the other day, and I thought it would be cool to go ahead and discuss here on the show. Also, to discuss, as we wrap up here, our ECW discussion here, I was also in a discussion with someone the other day who will remain nameless because I don't know if he, he wants me to reveal his name on the show. But he did a Facebook status recently about the Mount Rushmore of ECW. And I got involved in that conversation. I just wanted to see where people's heads were at, where we're going with this, because I can tell you this. I have a harder time doing a Mount Rushmore for ECW than I do for the WWE. I just think it's, it's way harder for me to make that decision as opposed to the WWE. But I did, and I, I, I did that, and I shared it on his page, and I'd like to share it with you. And I'm going to do it not just for the uh, not just for the singles, but obviously for the tags. I, we got to talk about the tag teams as well. 
They were fantastic tag teams that ran through the ECW era. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of them here, and we're going to talk about some of the singles. So I'm going to preface my Mount Rushmore decisions by saying this. If we're talking just wrestling talent, people who wrestled on the shows normally, that changes my list. Because obviously, uh, you'd, you'd have to put Paul in there, and, and people say, well, how can you have a list without Paul on it? Well, I mean, if this, this is where discussing parameters are important. Because if, if you're just doing in-ring talent, that changes the list. So for the sake of the conversation here, I'm just going to do in-ring talent. Okay? In-ring talent. So first and foremost, and this is not because of what I said earlier about the fact that he uh, was so influential in my career, but I, I have to put him on here for obvious reasons. I start my route rush one. I'm not saying he's my favorite ECW wrestler. I'm just saying we'll start with him because he's the most controversial one on my list. And that would be Shane Douglas. Why is he controversial? I have no idea. But every time I mention Shane Douglas, people just kind of flip their lid about it. But he's he that's his, this is the promotion that named him the franchise. He was he's a multiple time champion for them. He was a main eventer. This is the guy who threw the belt down. I don't understand how you have a conversation of great ECW performers and not mention the franchise. How how does that conversation look? I got to be honest with you. I don't think I want to live in a world where people don't consider Shane Douglas one of the greatest ECW superstars of all time. Shane, I, you got to put Shane in there. Shane is a must. Absolutely, Shane Douglas is on my Mount Rushmore for ECW. Joining him on this on said Mount Rushmore would be Sabu. You got to put Sabu in there. I know people are going to flip their lid because if I put Sabu in, that means I'm taking the other guy out. And I want you to bear with me. I will explain. Shane was an anchor. He was one of the new stars they were trying to put together. Yeah, he had a WWE fling. And yeah, to be honest, he was kind of an NWA favorite, which is how he got locked into that position. But uh, Paul has gone on record multiple times praising Shane and how important he was to the early days of ECW and how well he was able to work these matches and get these fucking talents over. So many young talents that Shane Douglas got in the ring with in ECW that got over because of Shane. Sabu, in my opinion, is on this list because he is by far, unequivocally, I will challenge anybody here, one of their first and one of their biggest attractions ever. Sabu is the, one of the most successful modern-day uh, attractions of all time. Like back in the day when they used to do, you know, the George Steels and the Andre the Giants and these guys who were just kind of bigger than the title. They were just they were just these fantastic, freakishly looking people that would be attractions. So you'd put them on the card and people would come look at the weird guy. You know, that was their fucking, that's their job. And then there was nobody, nobody that was a bigger attraction to the ECW brand. Than fucking Sabu. There just wasn't. The turning off of the lights. 
the triple jump moonsault, the using the utilizing of the chair in tables and regular ass matches. He changed the fucking game. He just he just did. He just, he just changed the fucking game. Everyone was trying to get on that Sabu level during the nineties, just trying to ratchet it up, trying to step up to see who's gonna get more violent, who's gonna get more insane in their matches. Sabu started all that. Suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, Sabu. I got a chance to introduce him in the ring and say all that good shit. So that's my first two right there off the back. And I know what you're thinking. If you put Sabu in, that means you left out the other guy, which, yeah, I did, unfortunately. Because Mount Mushmore only has room for four. And unfortunately, as great as an athlete as he was, yeah, Rob came in a little later. I mean, I know he was there from the beginning, and he had great matches the whole time he was there, but he was very consistent. And the names that we're talking about right now, I mean, these are the names, let's be honest here, that are just, uh, just uh, as far as identifying with the ECW brand, are just a step above. People are not going like li- to like my list, because uh, how can you not put the most over motherfucker on the planet? in 1999 and 2000 on your fucking list. And that's because there were people who were maybe not equal to over because who the fuck was as over as RVD in 1999 and 2000. But guys who were also very over on their own and over way before Rob got really that hot, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, you could put Rob in there Right, You can put Rob in there for your Mount Rushmore if you want to because you're a big RVD fan and, and he did have legitimately some of the best matches we've probably ever seen to this day in ECW. But was he game-changing the way that these guys were? And yeah, Rob, you know, Rob invented some new shit inside that ring. He, he brought that physicality to a new level. But you're probably saying, well, if you took RVD off, who the fuck are these other two guys? Dreamer is on there. Dreamer is on there. Joey is the voice of ECW. Tommy is the heart. And that's just the way that it is. If I have to explain to you why Tommy Dreamer would be on the Mount fucking Rushmore of fucking ECW, then I don't think you were an ECW fan. I don't. How does that need describing? And why Tommy Dreamer? would be a, a, a member of the Mount Rushmore of ECW. Obviously, Tommy's on there. Day one guy. Broke everything in his body, including his balls. <laughs> including his balls to the ECW brand, to the ECW faithful. Gave his life for that company down to the last goddamn day. Soldier, ride or die. That motherfucker makes the list. So that takes us to the fourth and final spot. The fourth and final spot. And to be honest with you, yeah, you could have put it Rob there, but I'm putting a different guy. And before I tell you who that fourth guy is, okay, I'm going to get shit. I got shit when I first talked about this to people because I didn't put Funk in there. How do you not put Funk in there? Look at what Funk did for ECW. And I'm not going to take anything away from Terry Funk. He did do a lot for ECW. You can make a very strong argument that without Terry Funk, there may not be an ECW. I've heard people say this, and I get that. 
but I don't agree with it. I've heard people say it. That's why I'm saying it. Well, without Terry Funk, there is no ECW. I don't agree with that. (laughs) I don't agree with that at all. I don't think that that's true. I don't think that Paul would agree with that. I don't think Terry would agree with that. It's a situation like this. He asked Terry for help, so Terry helped. And he helped a lot. And he did a lot for ECW, and he did a lot for the guys, and he did a lot for that brand. He did. He did do a lot. But to say that there would be no ECW without Terry Funk, that means that you're telling me that if Terry Funk had never come to ECW, if Paul Heyman had told Terry Funk, we need you, we need a veteran, we need a name to come in here and get these guys over, can you do it? And Terry would... Well, I'm sorry, Paul. I really am. I can't do it, Paul. If he would have went out there and told Paul he can't do it, and he would have went home, back home to Amarillo, he goes back to Amarillo and not joined ECW, you're trying to tell me that with the talent roster he had and with Paul holding the book, he wouldn't have found a way to get over? He wouldn't have gotten that company over without Terry Funk? I don't believe that. I don't believe, would it have taken a little longer? Maybe. Could he have plugged in a different veteran to get across the same thing that Terry did? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Terry was the only guy that could have did that. But I do not believe in my heart of hearts that if Terry Funk never came to ECW, that ECW would never exist. I do not believe that. There were far too many chips in Paul's favor to say otherwise. I don't believe that even for a second. So the fourth spot of my Mount Rushmore, I have to give it to this guy because, once again, it's all about that branding. It's all about that attraction. It's all about making mega dollars. And and, and to be fair, this guy just did it longer than Rob did. I, I put Taz on there. And, yes, I'm a big fan of Taz. But he he was a leader at a time in which they fucking needed one. Rob Van Dam was a fantastic athlete, cocky attitude, but that persona would have worked anywhere, and it did work everywhere. Everywhere Rob goes, he gets over, he's this laid-back dude. Taz's fucking attitude and his fucking mouth and his swag and the way that he moved, that motherfucker is EC-fucking-W. That shit didn't work anywhere else. He's trying to slip back into it now with the AEW. He's walking around with the towel again. He's twitching his fucking shoulders again. He's using curse words and promos again. He's trying to get into old school Taz mode. But the fact of the matter is, is that face, that mean mug with the fucking towel and the FTW and the whole deal, that motherfucker screamed EC fucking W. EC fucking W. There. Those four guys, to me, were just symbolic. And there's other names people could throw. Sandman. I'm talking about a day one guy. Sandman also was completely ECW brand. But the reason why I didn't put Sandman in my Mount Rushmore is because Sandman can't put on the matches. These four fucking guys can. Sandman was an... I, I love Sandman. I love the brother. I've worked with him a few times. That entrance makes me cream my pants every time. And the first time I ever saw it live... I felt I came twice. (laughs) 
but he wasn't a worker the other ones were. The other four guys are complete package players, and they all fit the brand of ECW. That, to me, is my uh, my my Mount Rushmore there of ECW. And, of course, we've got the tag teams. Can't go wrong with that. This one I'll keep a little shorter because these are the obvious ones. I'll have to only really explain one of them, to be honest with you. Obviously, off the top, Public Enemy and the Dudley Boys. Duh, right? Those are the ones that get in. Duh. Dudley Boys, Public Enemy, those are obvious. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because I wanted to put in, (laughs) when I was having this debate with someone, I wanted to put in the Gangstonators. Now, hear me out. (laughs) I know people are going to say the Eliminators were a sick-ass tag team. And they were. Cronus and Saturn were fucking nice. For those of you who are seeing what about the gangsters on their own, just like just the gangsters, New Jack and Mustafa, they had crazy matches, but I was never really a big Mustafa guy. I always thought New Jack was just a singles guy who just happened to have a friend helping him in fights. Uh, so I, I lean more, the gangstonators were a much more entertaining tag team to me than the other two individually. But if you were going to put the Eliminators in there, I couldn't say anything against that. They were a fantastic fucking tag team. And uh, and I go ahead and I would put that that again, we're just I'm just going based on how I feel. These are my this is my opinion here. Deadly Boys Public Enemy right off the back obviously. And then um I put in the Gangstonators. Plus, you know, not for nothing. I get a, I didn't get a chance to do this earlier, but The whole match. <laughs> the whole fucking match. The whole fucking match, guys. The whole fucking match. Busting Nintendos and broomsticks and all kinds of shit over niggas' heads. That's awesome. But again, that's what I'm saying. The gangster natives were different. They were better. Because New Jack was talking that shit. And Cronus was dropping 450 splashes on bitches. They was a dope tag team. Fucking loved it. Loved it. And my fourth tag team, it's going to it's gonna piss everybody off, I'm sure. Because there's so many good ones that have come through. But I'm sorry. Just for, just for what they did earlier as singles and then what they were able to do as a team toward the end, sticking with it, still maintaining themselves as true... Impact players. Uh, and then, uh, oh, yeah, a little landstorm. Landstorm right here. Now, I think this was their tag one, right? With Justin, this was just Incredibles. But I think they used it together as a team now. I got a chance to work with Justin back at PWA. That's the other team right there that I would put in. I, yeah, I know people are going to get mad and they're like, whoa, there's so many great tag teams. And blah, blah. Bruh, this was it. This was this was my four right here. Just incredible and Landstorm. The Impact players coming in here. I know people are going to get fucking mad when they hear this shit. But that's all right. It's all about the spirit of conversation. I loved ECW so much, man. So many stories, so many different memories, the themes, the overall ambiance, the audience. If you just felt it in your soul, just felt it in your body, and we need that in professional wrestling again. We need that. We need that. And it doesn't come 
I know this is going to sound crazy, but follow me on this, guys. This isn't going to come just from the boys. I know there's a lot of wrestling talent. They're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm bringing this back. It's not on you guys, man. Promoters, bookers, the people running these shows, we've got to set the stage. People, these people who put these shows together, y'all need to put your talent in the best possible position to shine. You've got to create memories for these people. That's what we're, people, we're not missing a whole lot from the old school wrestling, the athletic matches, the, the, the matches now are more athletic than they've ever been. We, we, we're not fucking up on the, on, on the what we're doing, guys. We're fucking up on the why. We've got to create memories for people. That's what we need to fucking do. We need to create some fucking memories. We need moments that people will remember. Not just matches, but moments. That's how you're going to get over, man. That's how this whole business can get back over again. We're not over anymore. We're not. The WWE has a built-in audience. They're going to fill a stadium every now and again. Sure, why not? But the overall health of the business, especially post-COVID, is in dire need. Right now as we speak, and I'm going to end with this. Right now as we speak, there are people who were so sick of wrestling when this COVID thing hit. And now, wrestling has had a chance to hit the reset button. They've had a chance to hit the reset button, and we are here yet again at an opportunity, at an impasse to try to figure out something new to do with audiences, something new to do, and something that we can put together for them so that they would enjoy it and have memories that they can take with them for the remainder of their lives. You want to bring back old-school wrestling? bring back how it made people feel and then you will bring back wrestling officially then it will be done and over with then we'll be back on top guys we just did an ECW episode man I'm hyped I'm about to go watch some more ECW man this shit was great I love talking about ECW, baby. And maybe we'll get a chance. So if you guys hear this episode and then I'm back live and you want to refer back to this episode, I'm fine with that. We'll have that conversation. Especially if you're going to fuck with me about the Mount Rushmore shit. I know people are going to get fucking mad when they hear it. I'm full of shit. and da, 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 da. We will debate, motherfuckers. And it'll be a pleasant one because I'm pretty sure people like... Like RVD or like Axel and Mahoney. Like if you start bringing up all these different names, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Because to be honest with you, ECW had so many. You could flip-flop. You could take my four, remove them completely, put in a whole nother four. Raven, Sandman. Uh, uh, you can go way more in-depth. Or Whipwreck you can put in there. There's so many Tajiri, super crazy because of their feud. There's so many different moving parts to that company. I don't think anyone's going to be wrong, man. It's all about preference. It's your Mount Rushmore. It's all about your experiences and what you enjoy as a wrestling fan, man. This was awesome. I had fun doing this. Finally, you know, some positivity, baby. We played some music, some positivity, man. This was good. This was fun. This is what this show was supposed to be, man. I fucking love it. I'm done with all that depressing shit. I'm moving on, man. I really am. We'll talk about all that other shit when new things develop, of course. I'm not going to be an idiot and, and ignore shit. But it was fun to sit down for once and just play some fucking music and just bug out, right? We need that every now and again. Anyway, my son's probably asleep by now. I'm going to go out there and do my wife. I'll talk to you guys later, right? Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And, of course, thank you for enjoying episode 147. 100 episodes, now pay him. 
and make sure that you buy my husband's t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash A-J-O-U-N. Please, he needs this. Listen to my daddy's show. He's the best, so I don't know.